It's all my fault. I drove Spider-Man away. He was the only one who could have stopped Octavius. Yes. Spider-Man was a hero. I just couldn't see it. He was a, a thief! A criminal! He stole my suit! He's a menace to the entire city! I want that wall-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I want him strung up by his web! I want Spider-Man! That's right, more pictures of Spider-Man. We want more pictures of Spider-Man here, because everything is Spidey on Everything is Super, the poster recap superhero spot. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Kevin Mahade, who's who's bellowing, listen to me! Listen to me now! <laughs> At least I'm bellowing that, and not uh, something I forgot, which is the Darth Vader-esque, no! That, yeah. woof, woof. Uh, that scene, so I, as much as I'm going to talk <laughs> about this movie and how much I liked it, that, that, mo- that moment, the scene was gr- like, oh, there's a lot of... Uh, that was really good up until it wasn't. <laughs> but uh. all right, all right. Well, we're we're getting we're coming in hot. Spider Man two. It's the it's the second Spider Man. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, the ton numbers work. I believe. <laughs> uh, I believe it goes Spider Man then Spider Man two. And there's going to be several um, Spider Man twos as we we've already I, done I, I, one Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's three Spider Man twos. Yeah. Uh, three Spider Man two. Uh, to discuss, we've talked about one of them before, uh, the last of the Spider-Men 2. Now we're talking about the first of the Spider-Men 2, uh, which is titled Spider-Man 2. We're talking about it here on Post Show Recaps, as we are talking about all things Spider-Man. Uh, for the next several weeks, we are swinging through the Spideyverse, uh, And... This is the best Spider-Man movie ever. <laughs> okay. It's Sp- it's Spider-Man 2, the greatest superhero movie of all time, the best Spider-Man by far. And if you don't know that and you don't see it and you don't feel in your bones that Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie ever and the best superhero movie of all time, or at least of its time, um, then you are hollow inside and there's just something broken inside of you. And I can tell you that that's true because it's me that I'm describing. Uh, you are the broken I'm one. The one. For sure. I'm the broken one. I, I, this is, so Kevin is wound up and ready to go because uh, in the post-show recaps, patron discord, around three in the morning on the East Coast, around midnight, Kevin's time, Kevin dropped a message in the post-show recaps, patron discord, which you could become. Uh, a member of by signing up at patreon.com slash post show recaps. Think about it. Fun times happening there. Uh, I saw this message from Kevin that said, Spider-Man 2, you guys, it's real good. It's real good. I can't wait to to tell you everything. It's real good. And I had just finished watching Spider-Man 2 a little while before that. And I was like, Spider-Man 2, it's good. No, that's not that's not the word you use, Joshua Wiggler. I said it's fine. I you said, said it's fine. fine. I said it's you just said fine. fine. I said it's just fine, and mo- and mostly to agitate you because I, I figured it would probably agitate you, Kevin. My take is that I think Spider Man Two is a, is a good movie. I enjoyed it. It is it's a good movie, but there is this discourse about Spider Man Two that it is like this transcendent movie, and I need help. I don't I don't see is am I broken? 
Is there something wrong with me? I, I think maybe there might be something wrong with you, but not in the way that we're describing here. Um, uh-huh. I just like I, I I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and I I actually went in expecting it to not like it that much from my memory. Um, it, I honestly went in expecting it to be overwrought and just too much, a lot of just like teen angst, um, and it definitely had some of that, uh, but. It has a lot of that. It does. Have, it has a decent amount of it, and I think it has so. It has so much of that. Yeah, but not it's filled with that. Yeah, but at the same time, like not 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 to the point that it it ruined anything for me. Um, because the, like I came out of it being very impressed with the the how it was done structurally, the the plot they portrayed, what they actually I think improved drastically with Peter Parker in this movie. Um, I think thematically, it's really really good. I think Doc Ock is a great villain. I honestly think Doc Ock is is probably the best Spidey villain. Um, not this particular incarnation, but I think Doc Ock as a villain might be the best Spidey villain. And Alfred Molina does such a good job, I think, with the balance between some over-the-top moments, like the Listen to Me Now, which is not even that over-the-top, and um, having a bit more pathos behind him and connection to Peter in a way that felt natural. Uh, all that stuff, I think, worked so well to gr- together to create a movie, especially of the time I think is very important as we're going to have this discussion to be the best superhero movie of its era. Um, next to X-Men two is probably what I'd say. Uh, and I came away, like obviously the movie isn't perfect, but it's re- it, to me, it was really good. Um, they did a lot in there that I think worked and uh, worked for who Peter Parker is and worked for the character of Spider-Man um, and just had like good comedy. Like, sure you can pick some nits, but Especially in terms of looking at it compared to the first movie, this is just, it's a better film. Um, and I think to me, that's not even debatable. And you can debate it if you want, but I think you're wrong. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, that's, that's my stance. And there's a lot of reasons I can point to. There's a lot more we can go into detail, but I'm always curious because you know what? We came into this and, and, you know, I understand you're also just like, you want to be illuminated. You want to be shown the light. But I also think it's like, why do I got to be the one to defend my? Tell me your position. I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to defend I it. I want to know why. I'm asking Josh. you to help. I'm asking. See, you're coming at this from like a vantage point. If you want to fight, I don't want to fight you. <laughs> I want. I'm coming to you as a broken bird. Mend my wing. I'm not asking you to defend anything. I'm asking you to help. The typical me. Harry Osborne to my Peter Parker. <laughs> no, you're Harry. You're Harry in this situation. <laughs> I just want us to be friends. I just want us to get past this. You want to kill. You want to kill the, the person who's uh, insulted your movie. <laughs> no, but like legit question though. Like, so what is it? I guess uh, from your perspective, we'll get into like, it. Where, yeah, where, where are yeah. we? Let's so let's trade so, back and so forth some information here. Let's I guess. let's do this. Let's yeah, let's trade some information. Let's see if we can find out who done it before we do all of that because we've got a lot to dig into. I want to take a quick second here and thank our sponsor for this episode of Potion Recap. Support for today's episode comes from Progressive Insurance. Fun fact, Progressive customers qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up for Progressive Auto Insurance. Discounts for things like enrolling in automatic payments, insuring more than one car, going paperless, and of course, being a safe driver. Plus, customers who bundle their auto with home or add renter's insurance save an average of 12% 
on their auto. There's so many ways to save when you switch. And once you're a customer with Progressive, you get unmatched claim service with 24-7 support online or by phone. It's no wonder why more than 20 million drivers trust Progressive and why they've recently climbed to the third largest auto insurer in the country. So get a quote online at Progressive.com in as little as five minutes and see how much you could be saving. Auto insurance from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Home and renter's insurance not available in all states, provided and serviced by affiliated and third-party insurers. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. Kevin, speaking of auto, because we got to talk about <laughs> Otto Octavius. Doc, um, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> yeah, Terrible sorry. idea. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, what was it? Like the Sinister Squid. I forget. The what Sinister they, Squid. What they, what about Doctor yeah. Strange? Oh, it's good. It's yeah. taken. No, that's taken. <laughs> it's taken. So, I mean, already, by the way, uh, picked up on that this time around. I was like, ah, yeah. Was, are we gonna? Are we connecting all? I this? hope so. Is I it, really do hope is, so. <laughs> I want to believe that, like Kevin Feige was watching Spider Man Two and was like, oh shit, that's right. I forgot that that uh, Doctor Strange gets name checked. Oh, this all works. And so I hope that when we get into Spider-Man 3 in the MCU or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, J. Jonah Jameson says that line and it gets re-edited and Doctor Strange just like walks into the room. I mean, uh, like sli- sling rings his way into that. Continuity. Kevin Feige did produce this film, so uh, he might have had so, he might have done it himself to be like, I am putting a loophole in here for the future. <laughs> yeah. You know, future Kevin so, Feige came to talk to past Kevin Feige. and was like, listen, so. <laughs> So here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at is, uh, you know, I think I think Spider-Man one, the Sam, Ra- the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man on our scale, our sinister six scale. I gave a four point five, I believe. And I gave it that extra point five with a nostalgia boost. I just I don't have the same nostalgia associated with Spider-Man two. I was a little older when it came out. It didn't strike me quite as new. It didn't have Willem Dafoe, at least not nearly as much as I needed him. Uh, and there was nothing like that was massively transcendent for me about Spider-Man 2. And I think also because there has been like this overwhelming voice in the room about Spider-Man 2, like the tentacles whispering in all of your ears uh, that Spider-Man 2 is just by far and away the, wait for it, superior Spider-Man, uh, that, it, that I think that annoyed me. It's like, what did I miss? What did I miss that makes this like the decisively better movie Versus the first Spider-Man. Because I, I think my take is if I take off my nostalgia glasses for the first Spider-Man and I put that back at a four, I think Spider-Man 2 is just as good. I think that they are just as good. I think that there are, there are elements of Spider-Man 2 that are definitely better. Without question. The action is absolutely better in this. Uh, there's just no doubt about that. That the action is better put together. Uh, it feels higher budget. It feels more polished. The sequences are more thought out, even if it's still a little frustrating on a New York City uh, <laughs> level. You know, there there are some things uh, about that that are that are a little annoying, but it's just it's done better. I think Raimi is freer. Sam Raimi is like freer to to embrace his Raimiisms. The the Doctor Octopus wakes up on the operating table scene is tremendous it's amazing. Uh, and and just as fun as i remembered absolutely uh and there there are other things that, that there's just like uh there's like some moments that uh that Raimi like is feeling himself a little bit and is like allowing himself the confidence to really go for uh where for example he's like uh the the scene where peter shows up 
and Bruce Campbell won't let him in. And everything is just like going on like a beat longer than it feels like it should. Or uh, Peter Parker gets his groove back and he drops from so many heights and uh, he starts complaining about his back for like two minutes. Uh, Or even the elevator scene, which takes so long. He's in that elevator for so long uh, that I I appreciate that because that's what I love about Sam Raimi as a filmmaker. He's really funny in that way. And he really he pushes the line. Uh, And I I feel like he pushed the line really, really well with all of that stuff. But I I think that that is like those are all things that like I would I would say at least exist in the first Spider-Man movie, if not are done quite as well. And I just feel like the first Spider-Man is is more classic than than Spider-Man 2. I just don't I don't know that I feel like the same like classic vibe from Spider-Man 2. Like I think like the entire Mary Jane story arc is basically they're extending like the final funeral scene from Spider-Man 1 across an entire movie here. Like only one thing really had to change and it changes and it takes an entire movie for that to move. So like that whole storyline falls a little flat for me. Um I I guess I just don't really connect with Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus and that's a real a serious barrier for entry and I know I'm in a huge minority on that. I totally recognize that. I absolutely understand. That's why I'm saying something's wrong. I'm broken somehow, Kevin. I need help. Maybe it's, uh, help. Maybe it's help me, Peter. It's too, Peter. It's too real for you, maybe, <laughs> the Alfred Molina the science dad. I know. I so I was talking to, to the great Jessica Lee in the in the Discord. Jess was like, Dr. Ock, with I believe a scalding take. Doc Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2 is the greatest supervillain on screen of all time, which I think is a scorching take. It is a hot, uh, personally. hot take. It's a it's a hot take, but I love the spice. Uh and I had that Eureka moment as well. Where I was like, you know what? what as the son of a very intimidating super scientist there might be a reason i couldn't connect with doc ock uh because it's a little too close to home for me um but i just i i can't really push past that i guess because maybe it's because of that maybe there are other things too like i i don't really i i need to be shown the way on like peter's losing a grip on his powers as a storyline that's anything other than cheesy like I need to be shown the way on that. Yeah, help me, help me, help me. Oh, oh yeah, I need, um, I need, I need assistance. It's not, it's not coming from any place of like you're all crazy, you're all nuts. It's coming from a place of like I don't, I don't get it. I just need to see it. I think it's a perfectly good, fun movie. But there are people who talk about Spider Man Two as though it's just like the greatest thing that's happened to the superhero space, and I don't see it at all. All right. Well, so there's a there's a lot here. There's there's a lot. I think that um I I, I do think that you know from my POV, I think part of it is just if you you don't like it's not even the the, the Doc Ock is the, is the reason. I think there's that, but I think I think it would be a weird argument to say you connected to Willem Dafoe as opposed to you were entertained by Willem Dafoe, which is a fair thing. But I think like sure. to say that Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin is any sort of better villain. In terms of like what an actual villain and antagonist should be is a bit of a crazy talk. Like I I love that I like portrayal, but this also comes down to the root of Spider Man One versus Spider Man Two, and the root of the issue I think is that Spider Man Two actually tells you a story and shows you a story and has characters that develop and change and reflect what they're actually supposed to be, as opposed to Spider Man One, which continuously just kept telling you things. 
Like, it just kept telling you that Harry is Peter's best friend, that MJ and Peter were, were, were neighbors and lifelong friends as well, that, that Willem Dafoe's Harry, or, um, Norman Osborn was like a father to Peter, and Peter was like a son to him. None of that stuff is portrayed. Every action in, in Spider-Man 1 is a contrary action to like what they're telling you on face value. And it's not good storytelling Like when people do that, the actual inner motivations being different from what they say. It's just sloppy writing. This movie, to start off, I'll, I guess I'll start with the character part, right? This movie, at least... When it comes to Harry and Harry and MJ specifically, what they're acting as and saying as characters make a lot of sense. Like in this movie, the Harry, let's start with Harry. Harry portrayed and they're told we're told like, hey, we used to be friends, but now we're very clearly not anymore. We had a falling out and there is a huge amount of tension between us. And everything we see emphasizes that point. In the first movie, it's just they kept saying they're friends. They don't really act like friends. Nothing they do supports the theory that they are friends. And you're allowed in this movie to say, like, hey, we used to be friends, because that's a backstory element that's allowed to exist. You don't have to flashback to show that. We're talking about from this yeah. story. And everything about the Harry and Peter stuff, I think, actually works in this one because of that aggression, because of that tension. Again, how about um, Harry slapping I love Peter Jamie, twice. I love that scene. Does that, does, does that work? I think it honestly uh, does. Like, I've been to a point like that where maybe I've, I've gotten into a friend situation. We've gotten into, like, a, a heated argument and, like... Are you about to tell everybody about the time you and I got into a slap fight? Yeah, right? In the middle of the Hyatt Hotel? No, I don't think we've ever done that. But, like, it, it, the, the, yeah. the slap scene, honestly, I think worked. Like, just because, like... It's more realistic than, like, we're about to, like, like very, like, macho exactly. punch each other in the face. Exactly. Uh, it makes a lot more sense that he would just, like, kind of, like, the hesitant, like, light slap. Yeah, and I think that's why it works for me. I felt... You, yeah. you can actually see the actions that are happening. As for the MJ thing, you're talking about the MJ falling flat in this one. I do think the MJ Peter storyline is the weakest part of this one. But the MJ and Peter storyline was also trash in the first one and was the emphasis sure. of the first one. That's the other problem is that that was the big emphasis in the first one. Without, it's an emphasis here, too. No, I it mean, is. It's, a, it's the book ending, it, it, right? It, 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 is. Start, it once again starts with MJ and ends with MJ. That is correct. But this movie isn't about that relationship, which will get that... That part of it, I'll get to my second point, which does connect. But as far as the MJ stuff, again, it works because we're being shown what, what what they're actually saying. In the first movie, this idea of just like, we used to be so close and and we were friends and, uh, you know, now I like you. And like that sort of stuff ish in the first movie, but not really again told this. It is established that, hey, one of us confessed our feelings to the other and the other one was like, no. And it's created a really bad problem between us that we can't kind of be around each other. And everything they do emphasizes that fact from their conversations. That phone call, I think, actually does work really well where MJ is listening to him leave the message. Um, I think their argument after the show when he does lose his powers and they have that like fight felt very real as a person who's been very close to a situation like that about unrequited feelings and just also being a fucking goober weirdo. I definitely understood that. And all of that, I think, again, it showed you what what they were feeling without having to overly tell you it. They actually did the rule of storytelling. Um, and that can circle back to the other big point, which is why I think this movie is superior to the original. Uh, the thematic element of this. The, again, in the showing, not telling, the first movie... The first line, like with everything in the first movie, they have to tell you the thesis statement, but even fails at that because this is a story about a girl. No, it wasn't like that wasn't that movie at all. And so it failed terribly, even in its thesis statement that I felt the need to say this movie doesn't 
It says the thesis statement, but not in a way as a voiceover to the audience, because this movie, almost more than any other Spider-Man film, is about great power and great responsibility. That is the heart of this movie. It's Spider-Man no more. Exactly. And even the Peter and MJ stuff, yes, it's a big part of it, but it also serves as an element to the bigger thematic purpose, which is great power, great responsibility. This movie showed us the struggle of Peter Parker having to cope with being in Spider-Man so well like he gets beaten down a lot and you feel bad for him like there's many times where i'm just like just stop being spider-man dude and you understand why he's just like i don't want to do this anymore you get it you understand when he gets to that point and it's great to be there because as a person looking on the meta you want to be like no you have to be spider-man but you look at what his life is and you're just like oh don't do this bro and sometimes it is a little bit much he does get too beaten down and like it's leaning a little towards the pathetic part and maybe that's where i think it does falter in terms of like their peter parker portrayal but thematically again it all tracks it all really leans into that he really leans into the i i think really deliberately leans into like the goobery patheticness of it's true but this movie and you know so that's the thematic part and lastly let's hit on the peter parker part of it right i do think this is a phenomenal peter parker there is goober moments but it feels way less than the previous ones He's beaten down more than he is goobery. The most goobery moment to me, though, and I, Jesus, was where he starts. He starts. Rec- he can't get a word out, folks. Start, he can't do it. He starts reciting poetry to her, and I'm like, dude, oh. what are you doing? Get out of this. Stop it. Like, that is uber goober right there. It's bad. And then his line about, like, I always. I always imagine you get married on a hilltop. What you fucking oh, weirdo! It. Don't tell her that. Yeah, um, but who are you getting married to? Uh, right? Yeah, you hadn't decided. You hadn't decided yet. yet. Like those are the moments yeah. he does get goopy. But this Peter Parker, like the beaten now part, I think does work. He he veers on the pathetic part. Sure, honestly, I do think when he does lose his powers and it's as Peter gets his groove back, he's great and that should be normal like peter parker is allowed to be that and still be beaten down like he didn't even look like a goober he actually looked pretty good he was like dressed in like good clothes his glasses worked for him his hair looked good like peter parker like as toby mcguire as peter parker and certainly like as a vision of peter parker at that time period was spot freaking on like i was like yeah that's how peter parker looks and like he's allowed to be smart in class and like the struggle can still work so Tobey Maguire also better in this movie as Spider-Man and wasn't so goobery as he was in the previous one. So there's a there's a lot there that I think really, really works and makes this movie, I think, better than the first one, just in terms of a film. I think like just on that merit alone, in terms of a movie and having a theme and having characters and everything structurally works really well. And the acting, I think, of Tobey Maguire solid. I think James Franco is actually pretty good. And I came in... Franco's good, yeah. I came in ready to be like, ooh, Kirsten Dunst. But, like, her character had problems with it. because, of, And to me, it was the writing. But, like, the scenes where she's shown, like... I talked about that phone call earlier. Like, when she gives that look where she waits for him to, like, put the money back to continue talking, and he does it, and she kind of, like, gives that, like, dismiss, like, you know, like, scoff and, like, turns away. I thought it was actually a really solid acting moment. Very subtle. Her argument with him in the street after the movie is really good. I do think character-wise, she has a ton of issues, but that's just a problem yeah. with the character and not so much, you know, her in that role. Um, I remember being like, oh, Kirsten Dunn slept through this role. She did it. She had her moments. Every now and then she felt like, oh, you're not really carrying it. But like, I think that's also part of the problem with the character and pro- probably partner with the writing. 
But yeah, I mean, all those aspects of it, I think, definitely make this a better movie. And as far as a superhero movie about needing Would to you be a by, superhero, like, it's there. By it's, a lot. It's there by a better lot? than most. Would you say it's it is vastly better than the first one? I but structurally, yes. Like, sure, structurally, yeah. But like, your your feels about Spider Man Two versus Spider Man One are they are they just so much bigger? It, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I think this is this is this is where it comes down to, Josh. And I, I feel like this was this was the last point here in terms of the arguments of where we stand on this movie and we that we can get into the nitty gritty of the films the film itself is that I think you are allowed to say in terms of like in terms of feels and emotion I do think this movie is way stronger this has I think a lot more emotional aspects even the one emotional aspect that they tried to ham fist in there that doesn't fully work to me still kind of actually works on this rewatch but which one is that the train dude <laughs> which we'll talk about that scene <laughs> we'll talk about that scene sure but I actually thought the train worked better for me. Same. This time That's what I'm saying. I actually before. think the train scene yeah. worked better for me. And I think the Aunt May yeah. scene where she's actually talking to him, while yes, in a same way. Oh, the Aunt May scene is really Those good. emotional parts work really well. The most emotional part in the first one is literally Uncle Ben dying, which is the thing that happens in almost every Spider-Man movie. But the, the other thing is this. If the question is, did you, Josh Wiggler, like and were more entertained by the first movie than the second? acceptable yeah. that is the discussion yeah. i had though i think i said this in our first podcast that is my twilight breaking dawn argument you're allowed to say <laughs> right. you are way more entertained by this film but you also have to acknowledge another one is a better film you and i sure. love return of the jedi return of the jedi i think you and i talked about as our favorite of the original trilogy but yeah the empire strikes back i can admit is a better movie structurally like it's a better film but we like that one more i think it's allowed for you to say that you like the first movie better, you were entertained by the first movie, sure. But, like, looking at them as films, looking at them as Spider-Man stories, looking at them as something that is telling an arc with a character, to me, there's zero question that the second film is a better movie. Cool. I think you made an incredibly great argument. Uh, I think all of those points are are really well taken. Uh, I think especially on, on the structure level, I think on the idea that this movie is going deeper, than the first one uh that it's like aiming for more that you know this movie much like peter parker in in spider-man 2 is like webbing the sides of a window <laughs> frame and winding up backwards so that he could just effectively slingshot himself towards a point uh i i think that this movie is doing that uh and i, and I think it is really aiming at this idea of like the totality of 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 the weight of what it costs to be in a position to affect change and how that can feel uh exhausting and so tiring and there's no room for yourself in any of that and uh testing that question can there be room for yourself in that um can can there be uh can can you have multitudes do you have to be just one thing if you are so uniquely situated to be that one thing or can you also like pizza and take naps or do whatever? You know, like I think I, I think that the the movie is setting that up well. I think that the movie uh, certainly in the imagery towards the end of the film that the final task that Spider Man has it's no coincidence that it's literally holding weight, holding impossible weight. Um, I see all of that. I totally do, and uh, I I think that 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 stuff all works, uh, and I acknowledge it. And I acknowledge the position that for me, Spider-Man 1 is the movie that entertains me more and that I enjoy more. 
and I accept the position that Spider-Man 2 is a structurally better movie that is aiming for more. I also just don't know that for me, like it, it's hitting that stuff at a level that requires like raves about it. Like, I, I, I guess like I, I'm, there's still just like something that I'm missing in terms of it not landing with me that I think is, I, I really thought that it was going to happen this time. Uh, and for whatever reason it didn't. And I think that that's a, it's a personal issue. Uh, I think that like a lot of like the gooberisms of this movie maybe like stand in the way of me being able to like take it very seriously. And I think that it's a film that people have have taken very seriously. Uh, and that's just not something that's ever been able to happen for me. Um, you articulating those points is illuminating. This is what I want. Uh, this is what I'm after. And, and I really appreciate all of that. Uh, and I think that that's super valid. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for anyone who can like without any uh without any roadblocks can like can like divine that from this movie that they get that experience right away i wish it didn't have to be explained to me but you know sometimes that happens sometimes that happens i mean we're also people from a heavy comic book background right like the idea of like a superhero needs to be a superhero or else they you know they, they struggle in their real life etc cetera, etc cetera, consequences is something we've seen many times told to us in stories and comic books over and over again right so like the message even delivered is not necessarily new to us, but for me, I do think even now it is still one of the best told versions of that, possibly even including a lot of comics. It doesn't, there's not a lot of comics that handle that stuff really well. They do a lot of the like, oh, let's make up reasons that um, life is difficult for, you know, the superhero so that he, he, he can't give up his mantle. But this one, I, I feel like is so natural. Like it actually felt real. I actually understood where Peter was coming from. I understood where he was going, you know, what he was going through. Again, there's a little more goobery than I would like. I think Peter Parker is allowed to be more of the Peter Parker we saw in the middle of the movie than he is the, throughout the rest of it. But I think, again, in, encapsulating that era of storytelling, I think that's the other thing, too. This particular era of how these stories are told, I think it's the best version of that. I think this is a very specific time period where drama is freaking high. And, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff is very high. And, and and this encapsulates it so well in terms of of what it is. I mean, like for me, you know, not to jump too far ahead into in, into the ending here, but like I do think this is uh, I think like I said, next to X2, it is the best superhero movie of its era. And I think the only faults in this movie to me are faults of the time period. Yeah, I think that those are. I don't think that that's invalid, though. Um, you know, if a movie feels if a movie feels old and like it's meeting you where you are now and it's just not like, you know, measuring up to like similar stories in this space that have done this better. Uh, you know, if if it's a graded scale, you know, that's a different story. I I think like I I just um I I want to I want to dig into the villain cuz it's such an important piece of this. Uh, and so I, I, you know, again, like just, I, I think your point of like, are you connecting with the green goblin? Cause if so, can we, can we hop offline and talk that through? <laughs> are you okay? You know, I think it's like a, a worthy position as my friend and I appreciate that. Um, but is, what are the ways in which, cause this is the most helpful way for me to process is to ask you some questions. Yeah, sure. Like what are the ways in which you feel the Dr. Octopus story in Spider-Man 2 is markedly different 
from the Green Goblin story in Spider-Man 1. Well, one, we actually, again, get to see the actual things that they kept telling us in Spider-Man 1 is true. We get Peter meeting uh, Doc Ock. We get them actually conversing, bonding on a level of being people who have science. We get a, par- a big part of it into the theme of the villains. Once. Yeah, we uh, yes, we have that. But that one scene, right? Like One time. Yeah. One time. Still, way more than we got in the first one. And, um, and, and Doc Ock is rather dismissive of him as if he's being, uh, you know, interviewed by like a ninth grade. Correct. And when Peter, Peter shows the fact that he is an intelligent person as they converse, they end up spending hours together. They, they end up having a, that long conversation. They talk about the gift of intelligence and everything like that. And there's never a point in the movie, though, where Doc Ock overly acts too protective of Peter. That, that would have, um, I think, equated more than what they were giving us. Like, if they had it where Doc Ock was just like, I can't go after Peter Parker. That guy, that kid's like a son to me after one conversation. That's psychotic. Instead, he was like, Harry said, go get Peter Parker. Hey, please don't hurt him. And Doc Ock was like, sure, I'm going to throw this card at him. Whatever. I don't give a shit. And I think that's fine. For a guy who only had one conversation with Peter, that's fine. But they had a moment where they talked about the importance of intelligence and Peter was able to use that to his advantage at the end to remind him, hey, man, you told me this. If this is who you are, then like, you know, cowboy the F up here. And I think that works in terms of that relationship in this movie. Other instances of Doc Ock get a lot deeper and they expand further on that relationship. And I think they do it to, and this is what makes Doc Ock such a good villain. A great example is the Spider-Man video game that I have raved about. I think that does a great job of portraying Doc Ock in that way. But that's the connection that I think works here. And you also see Doc Ock as a person who kind of lost his mind, but in a way that wasn't so just like, oh, yes, the rats went insane. And you're just like, is that where we are right now? The rats? Okay. It's not like a level of insanity that's so cartoonish. And I think that works here again. Like he's clearly that's a divide for me because I, I, I don't, I, that's not convincing for me on, on the, the, the not cartoonish. Um, Doc Ock has a bunch of artificially intelligent tentacles plugged into his uh, brainstem that have been fried that have now taken over uh-huh. effectively and he, and he talks to uh-huh. them that's very that's very cartoonish that is like that's not the cartoonish part i'm talking about the cartoonish is i'm talking about the level of villainous insanity this is he had a mental break but that mental break still fits and tracks into this per, the personality and psychology that we established he's a person who is so sure about his own intelligence like dr doom that he is, was determined to believe from these tentacles that are saying like hey man you didn't mess up the, the the calculations that happened like clearly something else went wrong you were correct in what you did and he's like yeah i was correct that's all reasonable that's not going to you know from just like oh yes i'm i'm the leader of a businessman here doing this to aha out am i do you know what i've sacrificed like that's cartoonish yeah. villainy dude come on so long other man is cartoonish villainy it's hilarious and entertaining cartoonish villainy but it's cartoonish. Like, Doc Ock doesn't have yeah. that. And even his read that we make fun of on this rewatch of Listen to Me Now doesn't even come a measure of a bad line, over-the-top line read that Willem Dafoe does. Like, Doc Ock's yeah. villainy totally makes sense and fits into this world and doesn't come off as, like, completely insane. And I think it works. And also, as a villain, like, we're talking about that part. I think villains come in various shapes, right? The connection to the hero. I think also in terms of how does a hero physically fight the villain, right? Create that part of it. I think it's better than Green Goblin. I actually think Doc Ock, another reason he's a great Spidey villain is that he's able to do the type of movements and maneuvers, like being on the side of a building, like Spider-Man without just being like Venom, where it's a carbon copy, right? So many 
problems with villains is just they're a carbon copy. I think Doc Ock is different enough that it, it allows for those elements, those flips and those like weird angles that works really well for him and be a great contrast to the hero. So that's another point for why the villain works for me, because there's a lot of levels to it. So for yeah. me, and then at the very end, they wanted to set up a tragic, you know, villain for Doc Ock. And it works at the end where he, again, because they pull back this, it's not a huge thing to be like, you were like a son to me and, and I raised you. It was just like Peter being like, dude, this is what you said. If you honestly believe this, you need to own up to it. All right. And I think that's fair. And I think it works and it makes sense that it works because he hasn't gone into like a cartoon level of like craziness. Um, yeah, I, we really have to agree to disagree on the cartoon level of craziness. This guy scales a building after throwing literal bags of money at Spider-Man and well, is throwing that an scene old is, woman that all scene is over. cartoonish. That's for sure. And is throwing an old woman all over New York City. Like he's gone from six to midnight here. Uh, like there's no rational brain piece that is getting him to do what he's doing here. The whole scene is massively cartoonish. The whole way he in which he's going to engage the subway toward the end of the movie and just like slap people around. Very cartoony. Except to me. that's um, still so better because like that moment is like. Willem Dafoe gets some garbage thrown at him and he has a glider and bombs and someone throws a french fry bag at him and he's just like oh no and flies away versus this moment which I think is great to have people stand, do the stand up thing and be like get through us and he's just like alright and smashes them and you're just yeah. like oh yeah that's why that doesn't work that's not cartoonish that's actually more reasonable real villainy than anything Willem Dafoe does in the original and if we're talking about actions of course he's, mon- he's monologuing at tentacles multiple times in this movie. except they establish the fact that he's at least the tentacles have artificial intelligence that he can hear so it's not like he's like there's again a level of crazy yes but not a cartoonish level a cartoonish is, level is that is that de- is that depiction not cartoonish no because if we had it if they if the depiction of these of these four tentacles mouthing at him like they're jim henson puppets and him speaking to them. They don't mouth. He's not they, cartoonish. They don't mouth when they talk to him. They do clanks and stuff they like that. They don't mouth when they talk to him, but they like do like hissy type faces. They're like basically like, they're like, you know, they're, they're making like stranger things type faces right. at him. And is that not cartoonish? Not to the level of anything we saw in the first movie is my point. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, even then, to me, that's not even the yeah, cartoonish point. Yeah, gotta agree point. to disagree that's on like, it. That's th- like, we're talking about comic booky at this point too now, where what you're describing is just a comic book villain. And again, the cartoonish is what Willem Dafoe did. That level of over-the-topness is cartoonish. We're going from comic book to Bugs Bunny. There's a difference yeah. between a comic book and Bugs freaking Bunny, man. We're on Wiley e. Coyote level with Willem Dafoe. And again, love it. I love the over-the-top factor. I think it's hilarious, but it's cartoonish and it's over-the-top. And nothing Doc Ock does hits the level of over-the-topness that Willem Dafoe did. I think that there is a dryness to the way that Alfred Molina plays Doc Ock that must really work for people who uh, who really love that portrayal and love the character. But I think it stands in like a really awkward, weird contrast to the fact that he's talking to tentacles and that he's like running around on the tentacles. And like, I think my point is not that Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin isn't cartoonish. My point is very much that it is cartoonish and he's going for it. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's in. He knows the role that he's playing. He knows the tone of the movie and he's matching that. And does he? I, I, I feel like he does. I feel, I feel he's like way he does. over the tone of the movie. Other people, no one matches the level of the tone he's going for. 
Like, yeah, it's because he's doing it the best. <laughs> yeah. This is it, man. It's I think it's just that you love the, and I understand it. I think your attachment is no, very strong it, to the Willem so, Dafoe part. So, so I, so I, I love Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin, obviously, but I just think that there is something like for me that feels dry uh, and like over, like dry and underbaked doesn't really work together. But I can't say it's like overbaked, uh, but it's somehow dry and underbaked. Uh, I'll just stick with it. Uh, for for the way that Molina plays Doc Ock, I think that it's just it's it's just a it's like a kind of for me like a stale performance with a really cartoonish feeling character and like our definitions of like I think we're talking about which is more cartoonish and I'm totally fine to say that Willem Dafoe is more cartoonish but to say that like what the movie is doing with Doctor Octopus isn't cartoony as well I just I cannot sign off on that piece. Uh, I think that it's absolutely cartoony what they're doing with Doc Ock. And I at least appreciate that in the case of what they're doing with Green Goblin, there's an actor who's like matching that. And with Alfred Molina, I, I don't feel that he, that he is like, it's just not, it's not a character that's ever really worked for me in this movie. And like, you talked about like other instances of Dr. Octopus. And I think it's, I think it's a great character. Uh, and I think a great Spider-Man villain, uh, that has been used to, Tremendous effect in a lot of different media, uh, whether it's video game or comics or TV shows or whatever. Um, the film adaptation of Doc Ock for me has just never, I don't know. And it, 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 it's forget connection. It is an entertainment piece. It is an entertainment. Well, piece that's my me. point. I think that you you just really like the over the top. I think that that's an film. important. But I think that's an important point. But I think that I think I'm trying. I'm also trying to like kind of maybe uh, divine like. Not just me, but other people who feel this way. Kevin, we 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 put up a poll, mm-hmm. put up a poll today, uh, because I'm genuinely curious. Of like, am I am I just an insane person and totally alone in the take that Spider Man Two is fine, it's good, or like, does everyone think it's great and I'm an idiot? And uh, take I'm an idiot as a separate piece. We can dig into that another time. Um, the poll uh, was 54 percent believe Spider Man Two is great. And 39.4% believe Spider-Man 2 is fine. Uh, let's not talk about the 6.6% who say Spider-Man 2 is bad. Kevin, I'm not crazy. I don't think yeah. it's bad. Okay? We're, we're not, we're, we're not uh, there. <laughs> we're not there. We're not there. But that's like, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a significant amount of people who are like, it's good. It's good. And I, I think that there's Wait, are a... are you trying to defend this, like that, a, that you were somehow right in, in, in this assessment and I was somehow wrong? <laughs> No, Kevin, I'm not okay. saying that. I'm saying, like, why do people feel that way? Because I feel that way, that I think it's good. Because uh, I think the first one's good. Right. And I think that this one's good. I don't think either of them are great. I think other movies have come and gone since then that have been great. I think this one's good. Sure. And I just don't get the, the leap from some people from good to the first one to great. Like, I don't feel that. I think that you've articulated very logically and cleanly um, big reasons to feel that way, but I think that there is a feeling piece of this that is that is missing for some people, including me. Uh, and I do think that that lies um, as I'm talking it through. Like I think that that lies at least somewhat at the feet of entertainment value, which is not an invalid thing to quantify in in the case of judging your assessment of a film, especially a blockbuster. I think that this is. A, a much less entertaining villain by leaps and bounds for me uh, in in this film, and that's fine for the entertainment villain part. I, I guess again, 
You're going to be entertained by it, sure. I do find the argument strange because if the argument becomes villains acting over the top should therefore always be over the top, sort of crashes a lot of what we just went through in the MCU watch ratings. No, and I'm not, but- I'm not saying that villains should always be over the top. I'm saying that I think that the tone of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies has a hamminess Disagree to it. on the second that one. I, think, that I the- think the tone of the second one is not the tone of the first one. The first one is purposely, like, really a lot more cheesy. And this villain matches the tone of the film. And I do retain Willem Dafoe doesn't match. He over, over goes. He is the, he is like the Donald Log in Gotham of of this thing where it's just like boy you are yeah. in a different show I, to be fair everyone in gotham right. is in a different show from the other person in that series and are acting at that level but it's the same to me it's the same thing and we're gonna we're never i'm never gonna convince you and that's fine but i do want to point out as much as you want to be like hey you know 39 percent of people said that i'm not crazy that's fine i want to point out though 54 percent of people and the actual yes. vote has lied at the end that is spider-man too great the vote says yes. I believe that, yes, that I, the, the results of this of this uh, of this election here on Spider-Man 2 <laughs> has, has said I, that that has happened. I and I appreciate that. And I accept the okay, results. And I, I accept the I, results. I did prepare something knowing that the results oh, were going my way. And uh, the yeah. statement I want to say is um, uh, I am vindicated. I am right. Oh, I swear I'm right. I swear I knew it all along. <laughs> that is my statement. <laughs> Look, there's there is no denying uh, that the, the dashboard confessional is great. <laughs> yes, there's no denying that the majority of people prefer dashboard confessional to Nickelback. There's also no denying that I will still play Nickelback at the end of this podcast, even though it's the Spider-Man One theme song. Because we're just going to have to play that at the end of every Spider-Man <laughs> podcast moving forward. I don't uh, hate it. I don't hate it. And, and there is no denying uh, that you are solidly in the majority on the Spider-Man 2 opinion. And I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with this being like a... I'm just not... Because, Kevin, I'm not going to watch this movie again for a very long yeah. time. It'll be a very long time before I watch the first one, too. Uh, I'm okay with this one being a little bit of a miss. I appreciate all of the reasons why it works well for you. Um, and I, I, I need to, I need to either like be good with the feelings that I've got about it or be moved, uh, towards, towards your side of the line. And there are ways in which I think that you've, uh, really compelled, uh, compelled me on that front. Uh, again, like the thematics and the structure and all of that, I think, uh, I, I'm in solid agreement with you on. I think the action, again, just so much better in this one, um, than, than in the previous. Uh, but I think a, a Spider Man movie, like, how you respond to a villain in a Spider-Man movie is an, a really important piece of it, more so than in a, a lot of these other superhero movies that we have talked about over the last uh, several months now that we've been doing everything as super. Um, I think that Spider-Man has such a robust rogues gallery that I think that the way that I keep saying connect, and I, and I do think that that's the wrong word, but I think the way that like, I don't know, the, w- the way in which you form a, a relationship as, as viewer to character. That is just connecting. It's just connecting. I don't know. The, the, the way in which you're connecting to a villain, I think, really matters in a Spider-Man movie. And it just doesn't happen for me. And I'd be curious from like the people who uh, don't feel this movie uh, too hard, how, how much is that a Doc Ock thing? Uh, I don't think it's as simple as just like, I'm in love with Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin. Uh, 
Uh, I think it's a lot of that character. But I do think it's also connected to... Obviously, I love love that character, but... Alfred Molina as Doc Ock is just not doing it. Yeah, but I also think like you know, not 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 to just say like it's just because you're in love with him. I mean, there is a nostalgia factor I think for for you and for a lot of us that 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 is fair, and I do think carries weight and can warp viewpoints. I have it happen to me a lot, but like you know that we quote. Wait, you've you've been uh, the victim of nostalgia goggles before, know, Kevin. Crazy, Your opinions right? aren't what? just wholly objectively right all the time. No, that part's true. It's just coincidentally that it also aligns <laughs> with nostalgia. Um, uh, but yeah. like, yeah. I mean, you know, the, we we quote that those lines all the time. Robin laughs a lot about how many times she has heard us say, uh, you know, each each one of Willem Dafoe's line. But um, besides that, I, I do, you know, I do, I, I should point out, like, the obviously the movie's not perfect, right? Like, there's things that that happen in here that that are silly. I mean, the 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 bag of gold doubloons that you pointed out, like, what bank? Has just bags of gold balloons <laughs> just lying in a safe. It's ridiculous. Like that's absurd. Um, the the yeah. operating table scene is amazing. It's really good up it's until so the ending where he does that. Like no, like yeah. that's not good. Um, in terms of things that like, legit frustrate me, I think um, there's we talk about the Aunt May scene, and I really do love that Aunt May scene. I think it suffers for the Sam Raimiism of just going on like. 20 seconds too long where I'm just like, Oh shit, she's still talking. We got the point. You can, you can go on, man. Um, but the scene right before that dude, even watching it now, I hate that cake scene. I really, really hate that scene because it just serves no real purpose. And like, I don't want to hear that. It's like the, Oh, it's, it's like, you got to appreciate the little things or the kindness of straight. No, no, nothing about this movie. He has even set up that part to be a, a moment of like necessity and it's super weird it serves no purpose especially because it's followed by the aunt may scene which actually serves the purpose of doing what it needs to do in that moment um yeah. so you know there's still oh oh i'm sorry i forgot the biggest thing we want if let, let, let's oh wait if you have thoughts on those two things by all means share them as i before i no i i i hate everything that happens with like the neighbor and the landlord i think is really dumb yeah uh like i i it, th- that stuff feels like deleted scenes you know, yes, it, it, it feels does. like deleted scene material. It feels like this movie could have completely done without all of that. Um, and yeah, uh, not not a fan, not a fan. Deeply so. Uh, real, really don't care for that stuff at all. The the biggest thing, and we can feel free to talk about this. I think the thing that doesn't hold up, and that's what I said, a product of its time. Holy shit! The Peter and MJ stuff, like. Oh my gosh, especially when they're in the diner and there's like, there's been a constant with these two of just like, will they, won't they? And I, and I wrote down just like, just effing kill me, Ross and Rachel, because that's yeah. what it starts to feel yeah. like. Just too much Ross and Rachelness, which actually works because of the whole no bra thing, but that's different. But like, the whole, the whole, the whole Peter and MJ arc in this movie, Kevin, it's certainly you feel it at the very end of the movie that like, that like this has like this film suffers from like return of the king syndrome <laughs> like just end just end uh just like be on the web right now she now knows officially that you're spider-man kiss and make up and let's call it let's just let's call it we don't need to like she doesn't need to run away from the altar she doesn't need to come to your house and like to have another full thing you could have just landed there on the web but i i feel like the whole arc is like return of the kinging out where they were at at the end of the first movie just like nothing really moves at all other than like they're just extending out what the next logical point from where she was where she like 
gestures at her mouth at the end of the first one. She's like, I'm pretty sure that Peter is Spider-Man. And then, like, the dialogue in this one, she's like, you know what? I think maybe I always knew. It's like, yeah, no, we know that you always knew. We knew that at the end of the first one. And then somehow along the way in this one, like, he started, like, kind of forgetting. Uh, like, it's all just, like, really, 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 really super drawn out that makes it very hard to to watch, where it's like, it has such a clear destination. My my memory of this movie was that they got together a lot sooner. No, they don't get um, together to the and, end, and you're right. It is it is yeah. a lot of, like, I love you, I don't love you, Jesus Christ, just pick a lane here. But it is, again, very much of that time. It is the Ross and Rachel. It is this, like, thing of just, like, the back and forth. I do like that at the end of the movie, they actually do get together, which is great, cool. Um, on the point of like her knowing he's Spider-Man. Yeah, that's that's like one of those things where it's just like, does she know? Does she not know? I mean, he didn't he didn't do the Dark Knight to literally just quote a thing she said to Bruce Wayne earlier in the movie. So she knows for sure. Right. I actually really liked another reason. I think the Aunt May scene works really well. It's not who you are. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you do <laughs> that, that defines you. And Joffrey's yeah. just like, I will do things that matter. But anyway, um, yeah. like the Aunt May scene, I think works for well like works really well in that because like that scene legit you could just be like i think i may know see spider-man and it's fine i actually like that like there's an implication that she kind of knows but she doesn't like say it and i think that works really really well i think with the mj stuff the the drawn out for me it's just the the, the love you don't love you drama of that is so teenagey but that's the point it is teenagey and this was supposed to be for that like demo group and it it works in that regard that over the topness but for me now as much as i'm annoyed by that stuff the other parts that bug me is the same thing jumping into what we're talking about the character of mary jane my god her and peter suck like peter parker wants to <laughs> like this girl see like the person obviously who you feel saddest for is john jameson i'm honestly surprised they did not cast james marson in that role as just a really good guy <laughs> who does yeah. not deserve what's it's happening a very to james marson role like, for sure holy crap that poor dude like that that sucks and mary jane the entire time you know peter's trying to lure her away to have her cheat on her her boyfriend slash fiance and then she leaves him at the altar like that sucks so much they're like kissing him upside down so because it's like like that part i was just like oh i don't like you as people i don't like you as human beings right now like that's the other part of that relationship storyline that i really don't like and i think does not hold up but is again very much of the time um and is of that like you know uh wbcwe drama um but like that part, woof, and, and I think the, the diner scene was like the roughest. I got to that point. I'm just like, oh, my God, please. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, it, it really is a miss, a swing and a miss. It's uh, it's not it's not it's not good. Kevin, help me. Sp- speaking of swings and misses, can you um, explain to me why you like uh, Peter losing his power set and why that's. Um, not like super hammy and instead is like a really good piece of the movie. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, the the idea how he's losing his powers is never explored. It's never really talked about, but it is a thing that has precedent, right? It's unfortunately comic booky because it is pulled straight from the comics and it is pulled from the the uh, 90s cartoon that we watched. There was a point where Peter started losing his powers and it was like, whoa, nothing's really wrong with you. Um, like that happened. And so the I, I like the idea that they linked it to this, the struggle in a way of him not wanting to be Spider-Man, you know, having this internal debate causing his powers to act very haywirey. That's not unheard of in comic books. But the reason I think it works really well is because they set up, again, 
through writing, through action, through showing us in the story, why, if he got to this point, he would be like, yeah, I definitely don't want to do this anymore. And losing his powers is actually a good thing. It ties in to the story arc. It ties into the theme really well and sets up the idea of like, hey, man, you could have this. Like, your powers are gone. Fine, do your thing. And he's happy for it. But then he does encounter a moment where he can try and be a hero and then realize that, like, shit, someone else still did die. How is that sitting with me? How does that how is that feeling with me? I think it works because, again, pressing of the comic. So it's hard to just do. I think like believing in yourself is a problem. Yeah, a little. But that's also it's comics. And that's also like TV. I Again, this movie does not have a perfect score for me. Close, but not not quite. Um, but I think, again, thematically, it works. It fits into the narrative that they're doing. It actually like makes sense for the character journey. Like, so it's not hammy in that regard like i can't even think of comparison in the first movie because there is no character journey in the first one uh but it works here it fits it makes sense yeah i i think it's fine i think it's fine i think it's all right uh all right let's take a quick break we're gonna get into some feedback when we come back uh hang tight stay on that wall stick around you're amazing. We'll be back in a second. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And we're back. Uh, Kevin, we've talked a lot. Uh, let's, let's give voice to some of the everything is super listenership. Some reviews from folks who have written in. Um, you know, and it, and it ranges. There's, there's people who liked it, people who didn't like it. Uh, an example, I think, of uh, didn't like it. This is Brian. I don't understand the love of this movie. It should be called Peter Parker too, because there's no spider in it, Spider Man in, in it until the very end. I don't think that that's fair. Yeah, I, uh, personally, they're the same person. That's, it's, it's it's the point of the that's the point of the movie in superheroes. Uh, this is from this is from uh, from Fitz, who says brilliant but lazy. That quote from Otto kind of sums it up. It really drags more in the first forty five minutes than I remember. Everything post the Octavius lab scene uh, hums pretty well along, though. There's just some rough spots in this, especially the dialogue between Peter and Mary Jane. It hasn't improved between movies. Octavius defeating himself instead of Peter beating him is a nice twist. Uh, I agree with all of that. Um, This is, again, from Riley, uh, who loves Spider-Man 1. And we read a big chunk of what Riley had to say last week. Let's do it again here. Riley writes in, I have that same nostalgia baked into this movie as the first. I still just find this movie an absolute blast and enjoy every single moment of it. I think one thing this movie does really well is show my favorite phase of Peter Parker's life, the college years, while he's struggling financially, down on his luck, poor, and struggling with all his friends and his family. I know a lot of Peter, uh, I know a lot of people have love for high school Peter, and I do too, don't get me wrong. I love Ultimate Spider Man as much as the next guy. But I still think my favorite Peter stories are when he's an adult struggling with the burden of being Spider-Man. I love how quippy Spider-Man and how much fun Peter has as Spider-Man, but it also puts an insane amount of stress on his life. He can't hold down a job. He can't make it to a play one single time. He can't pay his rent. His friends think he's a flake. 
or close with the man they think killed their, killed his father. Peter loves being Spider-Man, but being Spider-Man also sucks for his life. It feels so real and so relatable to me that trying to do the right thing, but you still screw up is so human. So Peter Parker, you can see the weight that being Spider-Man puts on him, the burden on his mind and heart. And Tobey Maguire plays it excellently, especially in his confession scene with Aunt May, which is heartbreaking. I love how emotional this movie is, how much it delves into Peter rather than Spider-Man. His struggle with being Spider-Man, his Spider-Man no more moment, makes his return to the costume more impactful and powerful and important and makes the ending, Peter fully embracing being Spider-Man with MJ, even more impactful. And can we talk about how excellent Dr. Octopus was? I mean, he is such a good, tragic villain. And Alfred Molina plays him perfectly and is clearly having so much fun. His ending is absolutely perfect to me as well. And the way they use him for Peter's arc throughout the film is perfect to me. And the horror in his wife's death and in the birth of Dr. Octopus at the operating table peak Raimi right there. So that is Riley with a lot of love for Spider-Man. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of it. (laughs) That I that I used my voice to to bring to life. So how about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I. I'm with Riley on it. I think a lot of it works. I think that, again, the, 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 the power of Spider-Man originally was the fact that there isn't no Spider-Man and isn't no Peter Parker. They are the one and the same. And the, story, the focus of these stories are on that and the struggle of the character. I mean, I think, you know, uh, people talk about The Dark Knight as like the best Batman movie, best superhero movie. That movie did not have a ton of Batman in it because the movie isn't yeah. always about the presence of the character. It's about the effect of the person and how he changes and shapes the world around him. And that movie does that very effectively. It's called The Dark Knight, and we see the effect of what The Dark Knight has done to Gotham and his people. Um, and I think it's the same thing here. The movie is about Spider-Man, and Peter Parker is Spider-Man, so really reflected throughout. And I think again, well, actually, the movie. So the movie is Spider-Man Two, and it's about people other than Spider-Man Two. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> out, am oh, I, jerk? <laughs> uh. Hey, we forgot to do this last week. Uh, organic web shooters oh, versus here we go. Uh, versus sciency web shooters. You like the organic? I do like the organic web shooter. Um, and are, are you are you like sciency web shooters? I'm not like massively against the organic web shooters. I think that I I like uh, I think it's I think uh, Peter Parker Boy Genius making his web shooters. I think is cool. Yeah, uh, I think if gun to my head, that's the one I would pick. Sure. I mean, my biggest problem with the um you know the science web shooters and why I like organic is Peter Parker's lots of. Do you think that the organics would really hurt? Like, where are they coming from? Does, and does like, it hurt when you shoot way- your web every time? Every time. Every time. <laughs> Every time, you know, and he doesn't even have a healing factor to rebound from yeah. that. Like, I feel like that would hurt. Like, if you're like you're shooting the the building and then you're swinging from it and the force of that. Well, like, it comes. It, it like, came, wouldn't it, there be like some sort of like bone like cuts off? Deep it, it, it like cuts would, off after it sticks yeah. and then he holds it. It's not like in his in his wrist still. Um, I, I think yeah. the main reason I think organic is fine is because like again for these things we don't have to go into the weird details about like how does this power work? What's the science behind him having organic? Like, who, who cares? Um, that's not the point of the of the, of the superhero stories. Um, wh- how does a red sun affect anything? What does that matter? Why does he have powers like that if he's on a yellow anyway? So like it doesn't matter. Um, but the reason I I, I think it's better than than the uh, science web shooters is for the simple reason that it would be insane to me to have the idea that Peter Parker is poor and struggling if he has developed a non lethal way to apprehend criminals. Are you kidding me? 
pen and sell it. Like, that's insane to me. You want to do good? Start there. It's the same thing with Batman, where it's just like, oh, Batman's great. Bruce Wayne has how much money? Invest in infrastructure, you asshole. So it's the same thing. Like, (laughs) the science part of it is just like, why doesn't, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, he's that smart. Just patent and sell that. Like, give that to the to the police. Give it to other people. Like, a non-lethal way to actually apprehend people and to stop things. That's that's extremely important technology. And, like, he's irresponsible for just keeping it to himself to be Spider-Man. So, like, that's my problem. Yeah. It's the same thing close to, like, the Doc Ock in this, where it's just, like, the whole movie is like, oh, yes, this fusion technology. And, like, oh, that's wild. And then at the end... I do love that scene where they're like, oh, fusion technology. Oh, sweet tentacles. And it's like, can we talk more about your tentacles? Like, why isn't that... Like, that is a thing, dude. (laughs) And which is actually, again, ties into the the game. I keep going back to it, but I think it works really well that, like, the tentacles were developed at... Like, that is his science experiment because he's trying to find a way to help people who have lost their limbs regain, you know, uh, movement. And, like, that's great. Why is that not what you're showing off? Like, so, you know, it's it's a similar thing there. Um, but like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't understand why people are so against organic web shooters. And if it gets into the detail of like, how does it work? I'm just like, that can't be an argument for superhero stuff. Like, certainly not that. There's a lot crazier things in a superhero world that I'll, I can nitpick on. But like, that's minuscule, guys. I just worry that it would be painful. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Every Can you imagine time. Spider-Man as Wolverine, just like the grumpiest uh, jerk? <laughs> uh, all right, let's take this from Professor Strunk. I heard a rumor we may hear from Professor Strunk uh, in greater detail at some point in the near future. Mm. Uh, Professor Strunk writes in and says, One thing that struck, not strunk me on this rewatch, is just how much horror aesthetic Raimi brought into it, especially in the Doc Ock surgery scene. It makes me look forward to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness all the more. Um, yeah, so Sam Raimi's directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, as we've said, and we talk about the Doctor Strange call-out in this movie. Um, is there, are there, like, Raimiisms from this film that, like, you would particularly like to see employed for uh, a Doctor Strange film? Like, is there, like, I don't know, sling ring vision? I don't know what, like, the point of view, like, camera stuff would be as it pertains to Doctor Strange. It would be weird, right? Like, I'm, I'm curious oh, to see. Uh, very obvious. It's the cloak. Oh, yeah. But that was more Bruce Campbell acting that, right? Like, then you're talking about, like, the how the hand scene specifically from Evil Dead, or? Yeah, I think, like, doing that with uh, with the cloak and really, like, embodying the cloak as a character yeah. to the point of, like, hiring Bruce Campbell to do, like, hand stuff with the cloak. <laughs> uh, and, like, put him in a green screen suit and have him just, like, running around with the cloak. Uh, he does love to... You got to uh, expect that Bruce Campbell's going to appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. I mean, that'd be pretty fun. He'll he'll appear as yet another character in the string of characters he played. Did you um, yeah. did you ever hear about that? Uh, there was like a fan theory that went around that I think has been dismissed, which is you know unfortunate that um, that Bruce Campbell uh, could have been Mysterio in. Yeah, that was know. that was. And you know what? I I I really would like to see. I mean, I'm into that. Um, to be honest, I'm very into that. I would. I would really love to see everybody involved in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man franchise and Sony. I'd be really up for seeing them like figure out how to get all of this back together and like do some more of this. And I know that that doesn't seem like the take that I would have because like here I am being like Spider-Man too. Like I like it, um, but I think it would be fun. I think it would be a fun contrast to to what you're getting in the MCU. And I would be curious to see how all of these people have have aged 
uh, both like in terms of like actual like character life, uh, like how have things shifted there, um, but also like how everyone has evolved as filmmakers and actors. I, well, I think J. J. Jonah Jameson really definitely fun. has less hair as we have established now is how he has aged. But we didn't talk yeah. about that. But again, like, holy crap. He's, he's great. so he's great. good. Every every line out of his mouth in this is great. The one where he's just like, "Oh, Betty, get me a violin." Like that was his his yeah. moment of <laughs> reflection about how it is. is Him awful. firing firing and unfiring Peter it's every five so seconds good. is really like, good. He like yeah. he was really good in the first one. I think it has his best character moment in the first one. But even this is a different type of character moment for him, where he has that reflection, you know, self reflection scene, and then immediately is just like, "He's a thief! He's a thief!" <laughs> like it's just so spot yeah. on. Like. Call the caterer, tell them not to open caviar. the caviar. It's really good. He's so yeah. good in this role, which is the exact reason they had to bring him back for uh Oh yeah. Far no, from home. There's no one else. There's no one else. Um All right. Uh Dowan Servo says the hero in all of us scene sums up exactly who Spider Man is. Do you feel that, Kevin? Do you feel like this movie does a good job of like doing that? Like Spider Man, we could all any one of us could wear the mask. Do you think Spider-Man 2 makes that argument? Does it sell I, it? I don't think it makes that argument. I mean, there's another movie that makes that argument real well, um, which we'll yes. get to. But I, I, I don't think it, it makes the argument that anyone could be under the mask, but I think it makes the argument that anyone can relate to the person under the mask, I guess, is, is, is what this movie does really well. I think, you know, the, Spider-Man is being a hero and, like, the struggle he has to go through, I think, is super relatable. They do a good job of, like, the, the that hero and all of us type thing. But I, I think it is very Peter Parker-centric into it and, like, the struggle he has to go through. But I don't think it's, like, anyone can wear the mask. That's that's an entirely different movie, an entirely different theme, and explored really well and done really well in another film. I'm really excited to get yeah. to. But, boy, do we have to go through some shit before we get to that. <laughs> We got we got a, a whole other Spider Man two that we're gonna yep. have to that we're gonna have to get, uh, <laughs> get through some garbage. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, all right. Uh, how about New York moments yes. in this one, Kevin? I I really want to like like okay. So there's a, there's a, there's a couple of things. I think uh, so. The Joe's Pizza because we start there opening right? there like right uh, there. Yeah. I think is 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 insane. Right. Like I think what <laughs> what is it? I, we're forty two blocks in seven and a half minutes. That's one insane. Like tra- even yeah, on a scooter trap, no. And like you may as well just fire this guy already, yeah, right? Because he's not going to make also it. Also, delivery zones. Like why? Why would you have that guarantee in New York City? Like I hope there's another Joe's Pizza. Like it's outside of delivery zone. Like places are just going to yeah. be outside of delivery zones. So it's crazy that that yeah. part exists. I will say though, a New York moment that I think is kind of spot on is right as that's happening. That one guy who's just like, whoa. You sold that guy's pizza. <laughs> I think is yeah. pretty great. So um, that's great. I, I enjoy that as well. Joe's Pizza. There is a Joe's Pizza in the West Village that is like the Joe's Pizza, uh, and many people describe it as the the quintessential New York City pizza. Oh man, uh, is Joe's Pizza, and much like Spider Man Two, I guess I just don't get. It. <laughs> I think it's I think it's good. I think it's good that Joe's Pizza. This is definitely not that Joe's Pizza is the Joe's Pizza that's featured in this. Uh, the not Joe's Pizza that's mommy? featured in this. It's you know it's still. Have you watched Evil at all? No. The show. No. He's he's one of the he's one of the the main characters on that show. That show is awesome. Extremely your Evil, shit, though, uh, Kevin. But 
Yeah, dude. Trust me. Oh. Give it a shot. It's on Netflix. Give it a, give it a whirl. I think you'd like it a I, lot. I made fun of the trailers for that a lot, though, when it was happening. Oh, we're totally worth making fun of the trailers. <laughs> uh, and, and the expectation is that it's going to be just totally okay. <laughs> uh, it's like one of one of the better uh, network shows that I have encountered in many, many, many mm-hmm. years. Uh, not the least of which is because it, it has Michael Emerson playing a character that makes Benjamin Linus look like a pretty good dude. Uh, he plays... A really disgusting, weird character. Uh, anyway, we're talking about a totally different thing. Check out Evil. I, I recommend it. I think like you should at least give it like a, a, an episode or two to see if, if it might be your thing because it's like very much in the fringe mold. Uh, you, you would that, like? I think you'd like that. It. Actually, Michael Emerson reminds me of another moment that I think could be a very New York moment. Michael Emerson, by the way, would be an incredible Doctor Octopus. I mean, Michael Emerson would be probably incredible at most roles. He's Real good. Most Spider-Man villains, he'd be a killer rhino. Can you imagine? Can you imagine him in that suit? <laughs> yeah, I don't, picturing it right now. I don't now, know, I don't know if it's worse than Paul Giamatti, but we'll find out. Um, Paul Giamatti was great casting for Rhino, by the way. They just totally biffed it. Anyway, <laughs> Along with other things. But the, uh, yeah. so I think a really silly moment, but could be a very New York moment, is if Hal Sparks was playing Hal Sparks. If that legit yes. was just Hal Sparks with his dog, and was getting in the elevator and had that awkward interaction. Very New York moment. And I'd say Michael Emerson because I used to see Michael Emerson walking his dogs constantly. Me too. Constantly. Yeah. And it was just such a New York thing to be like, oh yeah, there he is. Michael Emerson is a, is a super New yep. Yorker and sometimes you would just yeah. see him. Yeah, you know? especially where I used to work at DC. He uh, There was a Chipotle there and he'd always be walking his dogs around that area. Yes, yeah. He loves to like walk his dog around Times yep. Square. Uh, like if you're you're in New York and you're in the Times Square area, just spend a full day there. You'll probably see Michael Emerson walking his dog. There was a point where I saw him and I was with a friend and uh, I definitely was just like, oh, it's him. And I, as, yeah. as we were walking by, I just went to my friend. I was just like, hey, you ever seen the show Lost? And I just saw him. <laughs> I just saw him look up and look at me and just give a smirk. And I was just like, uh, delightful, great. delightful. Uh, so he, having having interviewed him, he's a really nice guy. So I'm sure he left. That yeah. Uh, so uh, that that to me, like I, they don't confirm it, but I do think if that's how Sparks, it is, it's a very New York moment, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. Yes. One of one of the, the top New York moments in these movies so far. yeah um what else do i got down here i mean those are the main ones i think that i wrote down as like what if, so what about the the subway uh, the subway scene yeah the train so scene. let's get to uh, that like if, you know we could get into the geography of which it. is like, not I guess, a like, new york the, moment the, where where is know, that the, train where, the, where what is where are we what's going on here is that is that uh is that not what gets turned into the highline park is it that train line I think maybe I don't know. I got to admit that I wasn't studying it super closely this time around, um, so I, I wasn't paying like razor sharp attention to it. I think that that's just always been like my head is that that's what becomes the highline. Part. I guess I'd have to see um, where he I, is because that's 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 way further west, right? West, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like right on the, the basically the west side highway. Did you see, I had to just do my cardinal um, directions in my head. <laughs> north yeah, side I, 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 I watch. I watched. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, saw, I saw you do it. Um, it. This this resonated with me a bit more right now. This idea of like this guy's a hero for wearing the mask. We're gonna like rally around the guy wearing the mask right now. Uh, was rather resonant at this moment in time. And this idea of like I'm very proud of my city, uh, and I and I am most of the time anyway. But I'm really proud of of my city right now. And uh, this idea of all these New Yorkers like rallying around Spider-Man, it got me more in the feels than it usually does. Usually I think that this is just super, super cheese. 
Uh, it is definitely still cheese. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it kind of spoke to me more in, in, in the moment that I'm meeting the movie. Right it now. does. I, I will say, I mean, I want to talk about the train in a broader context too. Like before I even get to that specific moment, you know, I, I actually wrote down the train scene is so, so good. Dot, dot, dot until it isn't. But like the, the train scene is great. Like that fight. Holy hell. That's really good. I mean, that's the epitome of what I was talking about, right? Like the, the, the matching of, of being able to like go on the sides of the train car and the buildings. Like it's really really well executed like we talked about the action and i think to me this is the level of that final fight in spider-man one almost i think you know it doesn't quite get there i think in the physicality of spider-man and his villains it definitely gets there but it, i don't think it gets into the, like the the grittiness of the, of, the, of that original one um but it's it's an incredibly well done um so i love that i think so oh man um Robin, you know, complained and said that I, I just have a, 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 like, almost like a cold heart where she's like, some people like sentimental. And I do like uh-huh. sentimental. I think my problems with it are, are so minuscule, especially now. I think it works a lot better now. Um, my biggest issues are, let's start with one, the mask coming off. They shouldn't have done that. I know that, like, you got the actor you want to show his face. But that moment has also been mocked and memed so much where he's like holding the train car and he just has not a good expression with his, his mouth. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that it happened. <laughs> well, I guess for the for the Internet and the memeing. Yeah, it's great. But like, yeah, it's, a, me, it's that's, it, that's, it, that's the priority. It unfortunately, for me. just really, really undercut um, a really great, powerful moment. And I think what's really frustrating is that they could have accomplished that scene with the mask on like if he had his mask on it's fine he's it still would have worked really well and which leads me to because the mask is off they take him into the car and there's two things that happen the biggest issue and this i still don't like i still hate this part of it it's picking out one line but it's still gonna i'm gonna pick it out just the he's just a kid no he's he just is a kid. not he is the same age as you. That is a 30-year-old yeah. man. Like, you cut to that dude and back to him. And I'm like, you're the same age. Like, it just doesn't work when he's just but like, he's, he's just But he's kid. just a kid. If it was Tom just Holland, a kid. yeah, that line works really, really well. But it just doesn't work with 30-year-old uh, Tobey Maguire in that role. Yeah, we're supposed to believe, though, that Even, he's just And a so kid, then you have this thing where the mask is off and there's the, like, we won't tell anyone. Who? Who and what are you going to tell people? Who, do you all recognize this pizza delivery guy? Has he delivered your pizzas? Uh-huh. Like it's it, this happens sometimes, and it just doesn't make and sense. What, to and me. what would they say? What right, like I say? saw yeah, yeah Peter, Spider-Man's a white yeah, guy. Spider-Man's a white guy with brown hair. <laughs> Find him in New York. Like what? Like no, it's so it's it's nonsensical. My my favorite yeah. subversion of this moment, by the way, was in the Justice League animated series, which is incredible, and this is specifically part of Justice League Unlimited. Lex Luthor switched bodies with the Flash. And so he's as a Flash and he's looking in a mirror and he's just like, well, at least I will finally know who you are. And he takes off his mask and he just stops for a moment and just goes, I have no idea who this is. Because why would yeah. he? Like, if it was Bruce Wayne under the mask, you could be like, oh, shit, that's Bruce Wayne. Even Clark Kent, you could maybe be like, is that is that Dilly, the reporter guy, Clark Kent? Like, maybe. Pizza delivery boy, Peter Parker? No. So, like, again... That part, silly as hell. I get the intent, and the intent of the, like, we won't tell anyone we understand. I do think it's sentimental. I do think worked. But you could also, again, do the entire scene where his mask was on. You eliminate the weird face he makes when he's stopping the train. You still have them carrying him inside. And you can have them be, like, have someone, like, reach for the mask and have the rest of them be like, no, 
we shouldn't do that. And I think it still works. I think the powerful moment, better than the first one, of them standing up to Doc Ock really works. I think that feels more genuine than like mess with all of us, you know, that nonsense. Like, I think it works. We like, you have to get through all of us. And I love, again, as I mentioned, the moment of like, all right. And he just does because that's what would happen. I love that idea too because it actually also makes the villain villainous and like a threat. Like, you can't just gang up on a supervillain. That doesn't work, guys. And I like that. I like that idea that it does come down to Spider-Man having to face this guy because he's the only one. That guy can beat the crap out of an entire trainload of New Yorkers. So the, the scene does really work for me, except for like the minor things. The, the sure. Tobey Maguire face, God. Just. Yeah, I love it. I love the Toby face. <laughs> Toby face is the best part. That's the movie. That's the movie for me. Like, that's the type of stuff that's in here that I think like, I can't shake that stuff. So like, it's it's hard to like get past Toby faces to like really get to like the really deep character stuff that I that I totally agree exists. I think there's just some barrier to entry that uh, might be harder for some than for others. You're reminding me uh, a lot of me, a mutual friend tough. right now that we'll talk about afterwards. Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm I'm trying. I'm, listen, I'm happy for you and everyone else. I'm sad for me. I would rather be in your on your side of the line. Um. All right, let's rank the movie. So I'll give it a zero. At, I'm, not, I'm not crazy. Um, I I think like a lot of it is still just like kind of like a feel thing. Like I'm not a lunatic. I, I know this is a good movie, but I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie in the way that the first one's a good movie. And the first one has a nostalgia bump for me. And and I also think that like this movie is definitely deeper. I think you're totally right that it that it's it's smarter. I think that the first one is... Uh, is for me decidedly more entertaining. I think that there's it's more fun the first one, um, and I think that that can matter, especially when it comes to like execution on that stuff. And I think it executes the entertainment quality and the fun factor in the first one for me at a higher level than like the deepness is being executed here on Spider-Man Two. So if all things were being equal, I would probably give them both like basically the same exact score of four. Uh, Spider-Man 1 gets that 0.5 nostalgia bump for me, and I'm just going to keep Spider-Man 2 at a 4. Um, I'm sorry. I wish I could go higher than that, but I, I think that that's probably even higher than like I felt earlier in the day. Um, so that's that's where I'm going to land. Well, I mean, just know that you're very wrong, and that's fine. That's fine. Unbelievable. That's fine. But um, I definitely gave this movie pretty high, honestly high for myself. But uh, I, I, like I said, I do think you gave. So I'm going to spoil it. You gave this movie a five and a half. I did. I gave it a five point five, which is which is which is really high for yes. you. I feel like so that's a so just like to map it to some of the um, the Marvel Cinematic okay, we Universe can't do that. movies. That's that's a whole different ball game here. <laughs> that's what we kind of stated uh, that like we're looking at these in the vacuum of Spider-Man films, and I think compared to. The other Spider-Man films, we can we can talk about that. But to well, be like, so, I gave well, this the let, same rating as one of the MCU films well, is nuts. Well, let well let well let me ask you. So you're giving this movie a five and a half, and we're we're you know we're ranking those. We've already ranked those first mm-hmm. two Spider-Man uh, movies from the MCU. Uh, so those are already ranked, and that's part of our accounting mm-hmm. here. Um, so I'm I'm certainly ranking it on that same graded scale. So like for me, like I'm giving uh you know fours out of out of sixes to these Spider-Man movies in the same way that like I would give uh Captain America the first Avenger of a five out of six is is what I gave that. Uh you gave Captain America the first Avenger a four point six out of six. Mm-hmm. So you're almost like a full point higher here on Spider-Man two. Uh 
Does that does that map for you? That all that all holds. I'm just trying to like stress uh, test. No, that because I, again, I'm not, I cannot compare this to the other MCU films. If if we were mapping this to MCU, this would probably fall higher than Captain America: uh, The First Avenger, um, but not anywhere near where it is now. If that was the case, Spider Man One again. If we're mapping this to the MCU, Spider Man, I got bad news about Spider Man One. Spider Man Two no, fares better. Fine. Three and the rest of I, them are going to be real trouble. But. I, I would I would think that that's what we're doing here. So we, we might be grading this a little differently. No, I think we established in the first one that I even said I'm mapping it to the Spider-Man films or else these scores are going to be real, real low, dude. Well, maybe maybe that gives you some context for where I'm coming from with Spider-Man 2, that I'm giving it a four out of six, which is not far away from it's the exact score that I gave Avengers Age of Ultron. It's really close to what I gave the Ant-Man movies. I like the Ant-Man movies more than I like Spider-Man Bananas. 2. Uh, I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah, it's I crazy. really, really don't. I really don't. You know, I I like Captain Marvel more than this. Uh, I give that a four point five. I don't think that that's a crazy take. And yeah, you were also comparing. Like again, another reason I think this doesn't work is comparing it to a lot of a lot of, ah, these modern films and how they've changed and shaped. And my main thing, I will say, the things that don't hold up is, like I said, I think it doesn't hold up because of of its time. But the, I am subtracting points to an extent because of that, and it gets a five point five for me. Um. I, I'm not comparing it to the MCU films. I just, that's crazy. If we were doing that, I would change my score from Spider-Man 1 to really low. And this one maybe bumped down a little bit more. And then the rest of them are going to be atrociously bad. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's like apples and oranges yeah. comparisons. Um, and I think to do virtue to the Spider-Man films, I do, I'm grading it within the realm of the Spider-Verse, if you will. Um and I do so think you then, this is so. Then in 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 that in that context, mm-hmm. then Kevin, you're giving this a five and a half. You gave Spider Man Far From Home a five. Yes, yes. And so you and so you 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 stand by that. I do. Um. I, again, I really really loved Spider Man Far From Home. There's a lot of praise about it. I think it works really well doing a modern type of Spider Man story, right? Like adapting Spider Man that we knew into a modern day story. It excels at it. It's not as good as Homecoming. But again, I think this movie also, as I said, like about Spider-Man 1, is an encapsulation of a type of Spider-Man. And I think when you look at it that way, this movie, as a representation of the Spider-Man that was established in the time period of comics, and especially in the 90s even, this is that guy. Like, it does an incredible job of doing that. It's such a perfect representation, uh, almost perfect representation, of what Spider-Man was during that time period. And so for me, it gets that uh, rating for that reason, because I'm looking at it as a Spider-Man movie as well. And I think Far From Home, again, does a great job updating Spider-Man for the for the modern era. I think it's great. I think Tom Holland is phenomenal. I love Mysterio in it. But is it as Spider-Man-y as this movie, even though it's a different type of Spider-Man? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's going to put Spider-Man 2, though, behind Homecoming and Far From Home. But decidedly ahead of the first Spider-Man. And again, like I think that that's like objectively right. Uh, you know, personal tastes will vary. And speaking of personal tastes varying as we're getting into the villain rankings, I'm giving Dr. Octopus a four. And I know that's really low for a lot Didn't of people. Didn't you give Norman Osborn it. a six? Yeah, yeah okay. I did. Uh, and I know that this is like Just stating really, that for the really record really for everyone listening to this one and missed the first one. A hundred percent. 100%. I know it's really low. And I'll I'll also say that I'm only rating him at a 4 out of deference to the idea that people really love Doc Ock. Doesn't really do it for me. It never has. 
didn't change this time around either. Yeah, I, I, I gave Doc Ock a five. I think, again, it works really well. If I'm not mistaken, it's did I didn't I give um, Green Goblin the same score? You've given a you've given a five to to Green Goblin as well as Mysterio. Okay, yeah, and I I put Doc Ock to that level, certainly the level of Green Goblin. Um, so for me that that tracks. He's not a perfect villain. Again, he's not going to get a full six. The only one that has a full six for me so far is um is Vulture because I think he that, just works. That changes next week when Topher so, Grace shows up. Well, there's three <laughs> villains we got to write next week. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, what a movie! Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's called Spider Man Three, and it's because Spider Man has three villains. villains. Actually, you know uh, that. Uh, one side note I thought was really funny, um, talking about like modern movie versus a movie of the time. The Harry, the Harry scene where Willem Dafoe shows up and, and stuff, and he like finds out. Totally would have been a post credit scene today. Like that. That feels like so yeah, weird 100%. where it's placed, but I absolutely yes. get why it's placed there now, as opposed to like. Or you know, like, or when it was then versus now, because like that's the that's that's after the credits have finished, or or that's like mid credits yeah. uh, by MCU standards. And then you sure. have some totally kind of like jokey Spider Man moment as as the post post credit. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just thought that was really funny. Speaking of the villains, we'll be seeing in the next one. Good God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you gave him a five. Uh, audience is higher than you, and certainly higher than me. Five point one eight, and that's significantly higher than they are in Green Goblin. You know, I'm definitely pushing the needle. With my six on on Green Goblin, I'm inflicting my will upon these rankings. I think uh, so. Doc Ock is in fourth place, and I think that people were not thrilled about that. I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. I wish it. I wish it was different. It's not. Um, the Spider Man suit ranking, Kevin. Um, so last week you gave the suit a four point five. I see that you're giving this one a five point five. To me, they looked exactly the same. How is it different? subtle differences? Maybe this is just because, like, <laughs> I've I've just been immersed into the world of design because of my job and stuff. But yeah, um, the, yeah. the the color, like, my big problem with with the first suit was the silver, which really popped and made it shiny in parts. They downplayed the silver and has more of a muted uh, tone to it. It's not black, but it's almost there, so it's a lot darker. And I think that meshes and blends way better with the the, the spider symbol on his chest. So because of that, the, the, it's not as like shiny and like kind of like distracting um, as the one in the first one. And I think that darker look actually works a lot better, um, not only than that suit, but then a lot of suits that we have seen. Um, I don't think it's as good as like the first uh, Spider-Man suit. Um, I think it's like better than the ones we have seen. I think I was honestly surprised by how much I liked this one because I expected this to be exactly the same. But the muted colors, I think, really, really worked. Um, to make this suit kind of stand out in a great way. Yeah, I I, I didn't see any of that. Um, I it just looked it looked really similar to me, so I just kept it the same score, which I liked. I liked this suit a lot. Uh, so four and a half is what I gave it. It's like the uh, lips. So I, can't, now, I can't see the lips. You keep telling me to see. I know you can't see the so, colors that so I keep funny. telling you to see. <laughs> it's so funny. So we're st- we're still uh, in the process of like averaging out our Toby rankings. Uh, we're both higher on Toby in this movie than we were uh last time around by a half point yeah. each so so we're both a five and five on 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 toby yeah I, I think but a, but really, i like his gooberism yeah, I, I think in, I think, in I think this that's movie it, i think it worked it wasn't so over the top the only times i thought it was too much was where he started <laughs> 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 so stupid. oh my 
like I I don't get I don't get secondhand embarrassment often. Like I love the office. But like this was like this was like Scott's Tots level of just like, oh no. Like it was just so bad. And I was just like, oh you goddamn Man. goober. That in the hilltop thing. Uh, like what a weirdo! Like if you, if you uh, uh, I feel like I came close, to, or I may have said similar like trash as like the the hilltop thing. And I look back at that song yeah. for me, and I was like, "Ooh, you need a restraining order, you psychopath!" And so like, yeah. it just was it was it was too much for me. Like those two scenes. No, nah, I love it. But that that's the tone for me. Like that's the sweet spot for these movies. I think is like leaning into that. And you're allowed uh, to have a little bit. And I think they yeah. had the right amount in this yeah. one. I don't think it was it was an excessive amount. Um. And yeah, yeah I, I wish there was more. Yeah, like it, we're gonna see a comparison. We're gonna see like where this did the Peter gets his groove back, and it worked really well in my opinion in this movie. And we're gonna see a similar scene in the next one. And it's real bad. Um, what if I walk away from Spider Man Three with the take that it's better than Spider Man Two? Does the rest of the podcast series get canceled? I think, it does. <laughs> I think just every, no. You're 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 my. I mean, my 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 respect of you is already low, as you know. But <laughs> I think the <laughs> audience respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so too i don't think we're in danger of that by the way i think yeah. uh well i'm in constant danger of losing the respect of my dear <laughs> listeners but uh i don't think it'll be for my spider-man three takes it's uh, you know what is sad though like but i'm excited i haven't watched it in forever man i haven't seen I it in so 10 long minutes I probably, of it relatively recently and said nope yeah. and then turned away oh i can't I wait i did the same thing wait. with um batman and robin i tried watching like 10 minutes in the middle and i was just like woo. Uh, and I had to yeah. go, but now I'm doing it. <laughs> now I'm doing it by heavy choice. Um, but you know what yeah. is that something we didn't hit on for this? Uh, speaking of like again, villains and everything, and that Peter gets his groove back scene. Dylan Baker is the lizard. I feel I, that sucks. We never got that short because I really yes, I agree. Really wish that happened. I think what, what especially sucks is then like so Spider-Man Four doesn't happen for a lot of reasons, and then they reboot it with Amazing Spider-Man, and they reboot it with the lizard as the first yeah, bad yeah. guy. It's like oh, that's so shitty. That's so unfair to Dylan really Baker. Is. Dylan Baker's Dylan Baker's an actor's actor. Yep. You know, like give that give that man a give that man a reptilian makeover. He wants it. He, he wants deserved it. So it. Bad. We all deserved so I, it. I I think it would be great for him to be one of if, if there's a if there is like massive crossover back into like the Sony side of things. Justice for Dylan Baker for sure. Um, how old is Dylan Baker? Probably pretty old. At, at least twenty years older. You know, uh, I guess sixteen years is, older. He's sixty one. I think he could be a 61-year-old lizard. Why not? I mean, if they get Tobey Maguire back, I mean... That would be crazy. Oh, God. I want it. I want it bad. Just have him be uh, like a Ed- Dark Knight Return style Spider-Man. Oh, man. That's where you can have can the you line. Imagine? Doesn't hurt every time. Oh, my God. And can you imagine Toby trying to deliver that with, like, gravitas? <laughs> oh, I want I want that attempt so badly. <laughs> very, very badly. I want them to try. Um, Spider-Man 3. We're going to get a darker Spider-Man. Um, are we? Yeah, he's edgy. He's bad. We're going to get that. We're going to get <laughs> we're getting an edgy and bad Spider-Man coming up next week. Whether or not it's the grizzled Dark Knight Returns version, uh, don't think so. But we're getting we're getting an angry Spidey oh, next we're week. We're not getting an angry. Get well, I guess we are in. getting an angry Spidey. More than anything, we're getting a dancey Spidey. Uh, I I remember Loves off to the dance. top of my head there are I think three songs and two dance sequences in this film which I can holy oh. crap <laughs> yeah oh it's gonna be great so Spider Man three 
coming your way next week. Get your feedback in super at postshowrecaps.com, or you can talk to us on the Discord as well. If you are a member of the Post Show Recaps Patreon at the Discord level, consider it. Check it out, patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. Uh, follow Kevin. He's on Twitter at Kev Mahadeo. I'm at Round Howard. The two of us are podcasting about Mendo. Star Wars, The Mandalorian, each and every week alongside Latanya Starks here on Post Show Recaps. If you're not listening to that podcast, I recommend you do. We're having a great time. Uh, we hope everyone who is celebrating is having a happy and very safe holiday. We hope that uh, if you are not getting your fill of uh, family fights this year, that Kevin and I, uh, our bickering sufficed uh, for, <laughs> for for those purposes, Kevin. Uh, even when we disagree, uh, maybe even sometimes, especially when we disagree, I, I always love getting into it with you. So this yeah, is I held myself back a single, lot, Josh. I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> doing doing this each and every single week is such a joy. So I'm 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 glad I'm I'm glad that we get and this. don't stick your fingers uh, into any pies uh, or apple cobbler or whatever it was that Norman did during that Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going for the sweet potato yeah. pie is what he was after, and hard hard to blame him. So delicious. Uh, we'll be back with another delicious podcast next week. Until then, let's throw it to Nickelback. Not a hero save us. I'm not gonna stand